Hello, everybody. Good morning and um, welcome to Sunday Story Hour. I am Kathy Bashanko, and this today my guest is Ellen Hefty. And Ellen is a friend of mine that I met at the same conference where I met Kelly, which we talked about last week if you watched. So that was in September of 2021. And I have to say, and I hope it doesn't embarrass you, I am, I think you are a perfect example of how much we um, can change in a couple of years from this, you know, just everything about you is like, it's so funny because in some ways, I mean, you've lost weight, so you're smaller, but your personality is so much bigger and you're so much more um, in your body Mm -hmm. and present than you ever were in, um, and and I'm not saying there was anything bad that uh, first time. It's just, and I think you you know what I'm talking about. So I think, I yes, okay. Yeah. So um, as if you've read the notes about my promoting of this, which I think I've done a little more of, I'm trying to get better at making sure you guys all know this is happening. Um, Ellen is doing some really cool stuff. She wrote a book and is in the process of writing or more about the different energy types in language that works for kids. Now, the books are all done um, through quantum human design language. But since then, Ellen has actually created a newer, more simplified system just for kids. So she's still embracing the quantum human design idea and human design in general, which I know you also follow and, you know, because there's there's room on the plate for all of it, right? Yeah. Um, but this new thing you're doing where it's really like stripping it down to a much simpler, kid-friendly, less intimidating way to get started, I think is just really beautiful. And it's been really neat watching your um, journey through this as you've learned more to trust yourself in this process and follow the correct invitations and not get lost in other people's good intentions for you and that sort of thing. And so anyway, Ellen is a 5-1 emotional projector, and I'm going to, without any more babbling now, just (laughs) say hello, Ellen. And would you like to tell us a little bit more? Although that was a yes, no question. I'm talking to a projector. I'm wondering what you would like to talk about, Ellen. Um, well, I mean, I, how recognize it, I feel with just the way you described all of that and, and you really do understand my journey. Um, I know one of the things, of course, you've been doing with this group is how did you find out about human design? So right. I'm, I'm going to start there. Okay. Which great. Is about, um, it'll be five years in October. I started on the first day I started with a spiritual coach. She calls herself a transcendental coach, I think. Um, and the first day I met her, she's like, what's your birthday? What's your, where were you born? What time were you born? And, and all of a sudden she goes, oh, you're a projector. I knew nothing about what that meant. And it really took me about six months to investigate it. But what happened in that situation was she now knew how to interact with me and something energetically changed in me. Because the week prior to that, before meeting this coach, I was suicidal twice within the same week. Wow. Really was at a deep, dark place, felt very trapped in a situation I was in, didn't know where to go, but somehow internally knew I needed somatic 
Like I kept, I was in a therapy relationship with someone else that was very, um, really bad with boundaries. And so I just kept saying to her, I think I need somatic stuff. I think I need body stuff. And she was resistant to that. And so I just Googled <laughs> somatic and came up with my coach, who's a th- trained as a therapist, but she doesn't do it in that way. Um, and, and everything started to shift. It was incredible. I just, all of a sudden, my, I felt like she really got me and I didn't know why she got me, but she knew my chart. She understood that I was a protector. She knew I was emotional. Um, at that time I was, I didn't even have any emotional regulation. So I was, I had been numb for the first 40 years of my life. I'm 54 now. And then when I met her, I was so emotional. I was so beyond like to where I had no emotion regulation and I was like all over the place. And it was about six months later that I'm like, I wonder what this projector thing means. So that was October. So it was March. And then by May, I was, I, or June, I had my first official reading and then just started at the IHDS, the International Human Design School, and studied there for two years. Got to the first class of analyst training. And if you know me now and know how simple I've, I've tried to make this, I got to the first round of analyst training because my first line was like, keep studying, keep studying, keep studying. And then I'm like, what am I doing? Why do I just keep taking these courses? And it's not a bad thing, but it was like, I needed it for me, for my own growth. Mm-hmm. And it had nothing to do with what I was meant to do for my business. It's what I needed to do to learn about myself and really understand that not self or the shadow side of me. And then I kind of, this coach resonated more with quantum human design. And so I started to see her talk about it. And so I shifted a little bit there, but at first I didn't feel like I was aligned with it. Like it didn't make sense to me. Like when I heard orchestrator, I'm like orchestrator, but the more that I do my deconditioning and the more that I've done a lot of of, of um, shadow work, I'm like, oh, okay, now I can kind of understand that language. But that's long story short. I was introduced by a coach first day I met her. And it, it just, you know, it turned my life around. Like I said, I was really in a dark place the week before. Wow, that's really interesting. There's a lot of parts of that that I had not heard you say before. And it's interesting because I... I think there's something we said. There's a lot of people that I know um, come straight to human design through the quantum human design. Um, and then I know there's a lot of people in traditional human design who are just like, no, Raw said this is what Raw taught and that quantum human design and that gene key stuff and all of this other stuff is not within the rules and regulations of what he said was okay. But, and I've never believed that and I've always resonated with parts of quantum human design, but I do think there is a um, there is something that happen it happens in the traditional learnings that almost like breaks you wide open in a way that quantum is almost a little too nice to do. So <clears throat> quantum is really great when you are already like people. There's there are people I'm working with now who have done decades of work on themselves. And they're in this place where 
the quantum language just resonates and it's just all great. Yes, they get it. But when you're really stuck, you sometimes need that cracking open first before you can pour the love in, right? Yeah. I mean, I I needed to know the fifth line as a heretic before I could ever see myself as a visionary leader, which is the quantum language. Right. I mean, I had to heal all those fifth line wounds that I had as a heretic and why all this, you know, not understanding the whole projection field of it and why, you know, I was just like in the room and all of a sudden someone went crazy and it's like, wait, what? (laughs) You know, right. Oh, that that wasn't about me. And so, yeah, I really, um, and I have the, the, the five, which is very much about structure. And I have the 18, which is all about rules and, you know, correctness. So there was definitely a part of me that really was like, no, raw, raw, you know, I was that person. And right. as I continued to do the work, then all of a sudden I'm like, oh, wait a minute, but can this be true for me now? Can it change? Because this is what's true for me now. Well, you know, I just um, have to say that that's really, that really resonates with a lot of what I've felt as well. I just was going through um, some additional trainings. I hesitated to do a lot more certifications because I felt like I was already so like in my head learning and I'd known a lot of this stuff from self-turning and did I need the piece of paper? And now I'm doing this additional level of quantum human design um, certification and I've been learning stuff that I thought I already knew and I did know it, but when I was listening to the language with the quantum stuff, it was just so like my soul, like I literally, like my body, it wasn't like tears kind of weeping, but you know that feeling when you just feel like your whole body just feels the emotions of what you're learning. And that's how I feel the quantum language is now for me now that I can receive it. But for a long time, you know, you're not open to receive, right? And I think that that speaks a lot. And I do want to get to what you're doing now, but I really want to talk about um, your experience with learning that you are a projector and that you're supposed to wait for the invitation and then the bitterness and then that loop of like being bitter that you can't do it. You feel like you can't do anything out of the, did you, did you find yourself there for a while? Cause I know I would get stuck in that loop. Oh, at first I took it very literally. Yeah. Like to the point of, uh, nobody's asking me to speak in conversation. So I guess I'll just be quiet now, you know, like, you know, and, and even with family and, and stuff like that, you know, like nobody's in, nobody's recognizing me right now. So should I not speak? You know, I mean, really took it literally at first. I mean, when I first met this coach and I had gone through all that, I was very much like an angsty teenager. That's the part of me that was really forward. I was and not, 50. I wasn't adulting very much. Right. And so I was kind of this protective, angsty teenager who, you know, and, and at that age, you take things literally and you, you know, and you're, and you're angry and you're bitter. And, and so I really, um, just took that. The invitation was like, oh, well, I'm not being recognized. Guess I shouldn't say anything right now. And that's, that's where I was at first. And then, um, you know, the thing that shifted for me most recently was when I heard um karen talk about with with projectors is that the more you're deconditioned and aligned to who you are there isn't as much need for an invitation because you're trusting your intuition your instinct and 
and that you're there's nothing clouding your ability to then give to guide. If you're sensing that this person's ready for guidance. You yeah. Know, and there's also, and, I don't mean to interrupt, but that really resonates when I started to understand that because um, when you really trust that you're not looking for an invitation as a um, sign of recognition, like, Oh, they see me or here, let me, let me tell them this. So they see me, even though you don't feel it inside when you really can like, uh, that's been my thing is letting go of the attachment. So if I'm doing something with no attachment to the results, I don't feel that I need the same kind of invitation. If it's something I'm doing for me and I'm not attached to how someone else responds to it, then I don't need an invitation. If I'm doing something for them, I need the invitation. Right. Right. Yeah. You need their energy to plug into because right. we don't have sustainable sacral energy. So if I need their energy to plug into, if there's not an invitation, then I know, you know, you can, I can feel that now. I never knew what that was, but now I can feel like, I've, I mean, I'll be on a call with, with, with somebody who's sacral and I'll know immediately when their energy's done. Yeah. Like, okay. We're done because I can, you know, it's like all of a sudden, boom, it's not there anymore. That energy's not there anymore. And so it's, yeah, it's really like, um, and, 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 and it can be energetic too. Like you just energetically can feel, like I just said, you can feel that there's, there's, they're, they're plugging their energy in and, you know, but I, I tend to anymore when a, um, someone says to me, what do you think about this? I immediately go, do you really want to know what I think about it? And give their sacral a chance to respond. Mm -hmm. Because, you know, sometimes I have the gate of shock. I have the 51. It, you you know, it can be shocking what I say to you. So I want to really know, do you want to hear what I have to say? <laughs> or are you ready to hear what I have to say? Yeah. yeah. Right? And so I have found myself to do that. Or even... When there's no, like, if there's a conversation happening, I've now learned to say to the group, do you want to know what I think about this? And see if any of the generators, you know, or manifesting generators respond. Right. I don't, a lot of times I will wait. For me, what happened is there was a lot of confusion for me between recognition and attention. Yes. I have an undefined throat. So, you know, I spent my whole life trying to seek attention. And so there was this confusion, again, angsty teenager in me, right? Who doesn't quite think, you know, like an adult, um, who was like confused, like, wait, what recognition versus attention? So it's been, that's been the other thing for me to really, to connect with is, is what's the difference between those two? But have you figured that out? Um, I figured it out in the sense of when it's me, when I feel like, oh, I need attention right now. It's because there's a child in me that didn't get its needs met, didn't get the attention. So I give myself that attention. Well, you're also very tribal, right? I mean, you have the 3740 and... Yeah, um, that's is that your only. I'm trying no, to have that in the 2551. 2551. Okay, so the 2551 is individual, mm -hmm. right? And then the um, 3740. But that that 
3740, I mean, if you were going to pick a tribal channel, to me, that's like the most tribal channel. And, you know, so you really need that. And there's there's a lot of need for um, hugs and touch and 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 just, you know, physical love in that sort of um, channel. So, yeah, sometimes we need to just, our inner child just needs a hug. Do you have a good teddy bear? Uh, I, I have a dog. Oh, that's even better. <laughs> yeah. No, I have a dog. I and and during COVID, I had cats. Oh know? yeah. And I would, you know, I really had to rely on them because I live alone. And so, um, yeah, I, I, I definitely that touch thing is a huge piece for sure. Right. So, tell me about when you started to because I know you have a background as a teacher. And you had retired from teaching, right? I Before, left after 22 years. So I took an early retirement, but I, I would right. have had to stay eight more years to... But did did you leave to teaching to do something with human design or had you already made the decision independently that you were done with teaching? I I left teaching almost 10 years ago. That's so what I thought. Okay. So it's been not even five years since I was introduced to human design. Right. I left teaching 10 years ago um, for two reasons. One is they were about ready to institute the Common Core. And that was a change of curriculum that I just did not agree with. And then they were, they were changing something with the way they rated teachers based on kids' test scores on standardized tests. And, and, but bigger picture was I had been an administrator for six years. And then went back in the classroom for two years and everything, like I was different. Everything had changed. And I'm like, I can't do this anymore. Right. I left it with the idea was I was going to go out and find something or I was going to go out and help. I kept telling myself it was the parents. Didn't know at the time. It really wasn't the parents. It was the system. So I left with the idea that I would go find something. It just, I didn't know, number one, I would have a very long burnout. (laughs) Um, and number two, how much personal work and healing I had to do before I could get to the point where I could have something to, to, you know, to work with kids again. Yeah. So that's the process you were, you're in that healing process when you found human design as a part of that. Yes. Okay. But I do want to say, I think this is a good opportunity to bring up something I was just thinking about this weekend with myself is you know, I talk a lot about human design, but, and human design has been huge because it gives me focus and direction of who I really am, right? Um, in a way that allows me to not, not be in a box, but re- it's, you know, it really has been so liberating. But it, you've done a lot of things outside of human design in your healing journey. And I think sometimes people think that they can just follow their strategy and authority is what so many people tell you to do, but there's a lot more to it, right? Oh yeah. I mean, within two weeks of meeting this new coach, I started doing hypnotherapy. Yeah. I took six months of um, DBT, diabetical, I don't even know what the word is, but that's where I learned how to regulate my emotions. I was in a, a group with people who had been drug addicted and were, you know, had to be there. I've done breath work. I've done tapping. I've done all kinds of, yeah. So I'm doing a series of deconditioning exercises right now every day. Yeah. So yeah, there's, there's definitely the piece of learning it 
but especially for me with so much openness and being having that undefined sacral, I've had to really do a lot of deconditioning. And I think you've mentioned you've had to do a lot of inner child work too because of how much and I love that how playful now what you're doing is and how that really speaks to not just your inner child, but mine. And like, I know when you were telling me about that, you're going to be at the International Human Design Conference in Colorado this year in September, and that we're going to get to play <laughs> with. And so this feels like a good time to talk about, um, if it, if it feels correct to you, about your your thing. If you want to kind of talk about that, maybe how you got there and what this Sears, is that right? Did I say it right? Sears? Is that how you're pronouncing yeah, it? Sears, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, how did I get to it? Uh, I had a business coach that I had worked with that said, if you had two minutes with someone, how would you describe human design? So if you had, you know, two minutes. And I went to go to bed and I started hearing transportation vehicles in my head. And so then that kind of developed. I worked with, I did some readings with parents and started to just throw it out there and it started to resonate with people. And so when the opportunity came for us to be able to customize the chart in May. Can you back up a little bit? Yeah. Can you, um, Cause I'm, we're going to pretend people have no idea because most okay. of these people that are listening have probably heard of you or looked at something, but many yeah. probably have not. So when you say you got transportation vehicles, can you explain what that is before you get into what yeah, you did? Absolutely. Okay. Um, so the, what has, I started hearing things like a train, a manifester is like a train. A manifesting generator is like a sports car. The body moves like a sports car. The a generator is like a car. So manifesting generators and generators are, you know, both vehicles that are similar, car, sports car, but they do function a little differently. The um, projectors are like a motorcycle and a reflector is like an e-bike. Um, and so I started presenting type through that lens, started to talk about energy more as fuel because kids kind of understand how vehicles have fuel and how they move through life. And so it was just, it was, it developed into using the concept of transportation vehicles to explain how our bodies move through life. And, and, you know, I mean, really it's strategies about how do I stop myself from getting into traffic accidents, right? How do I maneuver through traffic in a way that's right? in alignment with me? How can I be a sports car and go as fast as I need to go without getting stuck in traffic? Right. Right. Um, how do I be a train and, help people not step in front of me and get run over by a train. You know, I mean, it's like those kind of things. Um, and how do I embrace myself and see really from the, at, at the lowest level is just see that we are different. And so mm -hmm. kids start to sense and understand, Oh, wait, if I'm a sports car and they're a train boy, we, we operate different. And so it's just developed into where Every aspect of, of the basics of human design and quantum human design now are used with the language of transportation. And so um, your uh, emotional theme is the check engine lights now on. So you're angry. Oh, check engine. What's right. going on? Why, is, why am I angry? What's going on with my engine, with my you know, body, with my vehicle? Right. 
So that's developed from there to where then I've now been able to um, to customize it into a chart. And My husband might be do better with this system. Well, and and it's funny because I said to my coach, I said, you know, I this could be for adults too. And she goes, Ellen, everybody has an inner child. Right. So you know, and so my husband will not ignore a check engine light, but he will ignore a lot of spiritual and other things. So right. And 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 you know, as a fifth line, part of my role is here to kind of universalize things and make it very simple and practical. And so I do have a dream of like movies and and stuff like that and making this more mainstream because right now it's kind of only hitting the people who are woo people. It'll be like the newest, instead of Thomas the Tank Engine, they'll be watching the manifester have to inform the e-bike, you know, in the sports car, I'm coming through. Uh, right. And how do, I, how do we all, you know, travel on the, how do we all travel to where we can honor each other's way of being and be educated? Because obviously as a teacher, I'm strongly, um, I'm really passionate about educating kids naturally is who they are. So right now, um, I know at one point you were doing um, readings with parents, but now you're doing something more with um, some smaller schools. What are you doing with this now? I am at a point now where I'm ready to offer to schools and I'm calling them unconventional schools. So like a micro school or a nature school or even a homeschool parents. So I can see parents in this as well, or homeschool parent cohorts, where I want to teach the system and actually come in and work with your kids and teach your kids the system so that you can kind of, I can kind of be, um, show them how it can be done and, and really putting together a program where I will come in for a week with you and your school. I will have, you know, I'll train your staff, but then I'm going to demonstrate and show you. This is how you can <clears throat> kind of navigate. And, and really what I want to do is just try out. I need kids, groups of kids to try out my activities. Yeah. yeah. I'm at that point where the system is set. I'm launching it on Tuesday um, officially and um, starting a Facebook private group for people to come into and to learn the system. But now I'm at the point where I'm ready to let's go try it out and let's see how kids resonate with it. See how, you know, I'm, I'm already at that phase of, so let's give me some feedback. How does this feel? How does this not feel? You know, cause obviously this is my vision, but other people might not feel it in the same way and it, it'll get tweaked how many, you know, all the time. Right. Yeah. And so I know you've um, started working with a, the chart generator and you've tweaked it to where it only offers the simplified things and it uses your language. Um, and is that up and running yet? Or is that something still? It, it's up and running. It's on my website. Um, and it's called the child energy report system. What's your website again? Ellen, Ellen Okay. We'll put that in the room. You can drop it in the comments if I don't remember to, when we're done talking, but yeah. Um, Okay, awesome. And so as people are listening to this, I hope that people will, you know, put say hello or, you know, um, put in some kind of questions or comments as they come up. So, okay. So I think that's really exciting because um, I just shared on my story this morning, a really cute 
little video that Jim Quick, I don't know if you know who he is. He's a guy who had some kind of learning disabilities and did all this stuff with his brain. And now he teaches people how to um, read and absorb stuff super quickly and stuff. But he is, or he's a dad and he posted a picture. I believe this was a picture of his son and his wife or his, the child's mother, you know, talking about, and the kid is little, little, like, like referring him to himself still as a baby and talking about his emotions and how he was sad and then he couldn't do it. But it was like, the kid was so wise. And I was like, as we start to have more and more people who are doing this conscious parenting and and raising these kids who are not being squashed as babies, but instead, you know, like really encouraging. When we come in with, you know, the crown is still open to the to everything, right? And we shut that down, you know, and we teach kids that they're, no, that's not true. And no, you didn't see grandma and no, whatever it was. And, you know, to doubt themselves is what the way we, I was raised and I'm guessing you too, but now as these kids are being raised and then honoring their own energy and not seeing it as, you know, I, I mean, I'm sure as a projector, you can relate the dad coming in on Saturday morning, get up, what are you going to do? Sleep your life away. You know, what'd you do all day? That kind of thing, you know? And my dad, I loved my dad. You know, he was a great guy. I'm not trying to knock him or whatever, but, you know, there was definitely shame in, you know, sloth. What was it? Sloth. What was one of the seven deadly sins, right? It was sloth or what? I forget what it was called. The one where bitch basically meant you were lazy. Yeah. Um, and remove the word lazy from my vocabulary, except for to tell people that I don't say it. Um, <laughs> right. So same thing with procrastination. There's a reason we're not doing it right now. And it's meant to be aware and, you know, and then to question it and say, is it because it's not correct for me or is it because I'm afraid or, you know, and to, you know, and but to not just shame ourselves about not doing something in the moment. So, um, okay. But anyway, so yeah, I'm really excited as people start to do this sort of thing. And um, so your books, though, you're, you're you're working on these the remainder of the series right now. You can people can get Annie the Alchemist learns to ride a bike, which again we'll put that in the notes in the comments here. And then when I do, because I will put this later on YouTube, and so we'll have to remember to put the link to that in there. So, because um, I'm sure people want to do it, I wanted to talk about um, more about this projector recognition and how. When we start to recognize ourselves and when we're in alignment, it's like the universe takes notice and all of a sudden things start to happen because I thought there was such a great um, example of that with you a few months ago where you went through a part where you had been kind of bitter. You weren't really trusting yourself enough. And then you said no, and you kind of regrouped and you came in and you took charge again of yourself and, and, and got out of some of the bitterness and didn't initiate anything, but just started doing your own stuff. And the next thing, you know, I know I'm on a call and Karen Curry Parker, like picks up your book and starts talking about it to everybody and telling, and you were on the call and she's like, and Ellen's on this call. And then like all these people start, Right. And can you talk a little bit about what that felt like to you? Like when all of a sudden, like the universe is just like, okay, Ellen's back. We got her. Yeah. 
Yeah. Well, what happened, what, what happened was I started listening to other people on how to do my business. Right. And I. Well-meaning people, uh, right? Well-meaning people. All right. I just want to clarify that, but it's like, no, but if it was, it was, if I didn't realize that it was the projector way of doing business is a different way of doing business. Mm-hmm. So it was very generator-like, which works for 70% of the population. So there was nothing wrong with the system, the way right. that was being taught. But for me, what happened was I didn't have the self-worth that I needed to be able to fight for myself and to be able to say, no, this doesn't work for me. Right. You know, and and trust and really trust my intuition. So I was listening to other people. So I did a lot of work over the last several months on my self-worth and really like, why couldn't I speak up for myself and what blocks did I need to release in order to do that? And then, like you said, it was like that when I honestly, what happened was when I slowed down and I started to, to really, really tune in and, and go inward and go into what does my heart want to do? What direction is correct for me? And I started to get the download of this system and what to call it, how to structure it, you know, all of that. Then as I aligned to that, then I saw in the outside world, all of a sudden the recognition started coming back towards me. Yeah. And it, and I didn't do anything. I, I haven't put anything on social media from since that, that whole thing. Yeah. I had, you know, it's not out there. My reels are still out there at the, you know, but I haven't done anything. And all of a sudden, you know, somebody comes forward that wants to support me financially and somebody comes forward, you know, and all the recognition that's coming from quantum human design community. And, and it was just, I didn't do anything other than I did a lot of it, but I didn't do it. it nothing on the outside ha- happened. It was all the stuff that changed on the inside. Yeah. And all the work that I was doing on the inside that was aligning and I was really getting clear um, on what my direction uh, and what my heart wanted to do. Cause you know, I have my, and the will, the, the G and the um, solar plexus. So I'm all heart and emotions. Right. Right. What did my heart want to do? Right. Soon as my heart got aligned all this outside stuff started to change. Right. And then how did that feel? It felt incredible. I was like, to watch Karen run off the screen, goes, wait a minute. And then she comes back with my book. That's the first time I've ever heard her say anything about my book, you know, like in, you know, on the call, I'm like, wow, you do clearly like my book. Not that that matters, but that's a form of recognition, you know, because it uses language. But yeah, we're working on the second one, Tommy the Time Bender. This is the next one. And uh, Tommy the Time Bender? Tommy the Time Bender learns to juggle. I just, you know. Okay. Yeah, Tommy the Time Bender learns to juggle. Oh, I love that. Yeah, so that's the I love that. Okay. And then third one's already written, first draft. Would you have a title? um, Iris, the initiate. No, is it Iris? I have to double check the name. But the initiator learns to bake a cake. Or bakes a cake. She bakes a cake. She doesn't have to learn anything. She just bakes a cake. (laughs) Right? Yeah. Awesome. 
Yeah. And I have the plan for all five. You know, I have the vision for all five, right? And the animals for each one because each book but has you're doing them in right timing, trusting in right timing. Well, it's really dependent on my uh, manifester illustrator who lets me know what the timing is. Ah, okay. You know? I mean, really, because I the writing parts for the next two are pretty much done enough. Right. And I'm just waiting on uh well first i was waiting on finances which i'm grateful now i have and right. so now it's just getting with her and um and i'm hopeful that we'll have at least one uh ready for the conference in september cool that's awesome yeah. so um and tell me about what you're going to do at conference or if that's okay can you give a little sneak um, I just know that it's a two-hour breakout session that they've at, invited me to do because mm-hmm. uh, they said that last year's presentation, people really loved the interactive that I did because um, that's a teacher in me, you know, uh, teaching middle schoolers. You can't lecture them for, I had them for uh, 84 minutes, I think. So I couldn't lecture them for 84 minutes. So it had to be engaging and interactive. Um, but uh, the only, the ideas I really have, I mean, I'm definitely going to introduce the, the child energy report system, but as far as inner child stuff, like, you know, decorating, a, having a picture of your vehicle and being able to decorate it and, and, you know, start to, to understand the different parts of it, you know, um, storytelling is really important and a big part of my chart. So helping the people that are there. Um, kind of learn and net and uh, write a, a new narrative or a new story. Um, but I really don't know yet. I don't have that information yet. I, some of that might come from the feedback I get through my new face, private Facebook group. You know, what are people looking for? What do they want more of? So I have a few months here that I can yeah. see what, what, you know, where's the energy coming from with all of this? What is most important to people? um and to get you know and so and- speaking oh i'm sorry no um, speaking of narrative one of the things i like to ask people is um because i i have um that in my chart that i am here really driven to tell a better narrative of myself and to help others tell a better narrative of who they are and that's been really life-changing for me to use different language in how i talk about myself and how I talk about my life and how I talk about what I want and what I expect. And I'm wondering um, how you feel your narrative that you tell about yourself has most dramatically changed. Um, the, the, I think the biggest thing that's changed for me was my whole life I thought I was a problem. I thought there was something wrong with me. I thought all the bad stuff that had happened to me was there was something wrong with me. I thought that because I wasn't getting attention and I felt inadequate and I kind of was a revenge kind of kid as a kid, then that must have meant I was a bad person and there was something really wrong with me. Um, And what has transformed for me and the new story for me is I am a beautiful creation um, of source that when I understand who I am and when I'm aligned with who I am, 
without all the conditioning that there is nothing wrong with me. There's never been anything wrong with me. It was just like I was in a space that didn't fit. I was somewhere where it didn't, you know, it's like the magnets, right? They're not magnetizing, they're repelling. So I was in a family of four generators as a projector and didn't understand that I wasn't like them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so that's the biggest narrative was I always, for the longest time, thought, well, it's me. There's something wrong with me. Even the fifth line projection, right? That that their reaction was because of me. Mm -hmm. Being able to, and I took it personally. Mm-hmm. And when the, people didn't want to hear what I had to say, oh, it's because of me. It's because what I want because what I'm thinking isn't correct. It's wrong. You know, I have the 18. So I always thought everything I did was wrong. And so that is the biggest change in the story is that there's nothing wrong with me. It's yeah, that's huge. And, you know, um, I don't know if everybody on here has heard of what's called the projector wound. And that, you know, comes from a lifetime of feeling that we were missing something by, you know, that we were different. And then there's this, you know, need to be recognized and invited that we're supposed to wait for. But when you're feeling that you need this and you're not getting it, then we have, you know, this tendency to try to get it in a way that in the beginning, We'll try and try. And then sometimes some of us just shut down so completely because we're, we can't handle that rejection anymore. And, um, I don't know. I never, I never shut down. I just became super annoying (laughs) and kept trying and kept trying. And that's probably because I have, I have that defined throat, you know? So I'm just like, well, in fact, I remember when I was about 10 years old, my, well, it must have been. I have a sister who's six years older than me, not the one who was on the call, but she um, was first starting to date her now husband. So I must have been about 11 um, because I think she was about 17. And I remember he would come over and I would, to get his attention, be like, and he one time joked and said, are you picking on me again or something? And so I would, whenever I would see him, I would go up behind him and on his shoulders or his back, I'd go pick pick, pick, pick. Like if he was busy talking to somebody where I go pick, pick. I was just so, I was an annoying, obnoxious projector child who was always trying to get that attention. And it just made people want to shove me into a closet, you know, (laughs) because it was not, it was not good. And so, yeah, when you can reshape that and be like, I'm not for everybody, but who I'm for is going to love me and I don't need to waste my time with the rest of them. Right. Yeah. And what all that really matters is that I love me. Yeah. And human design gave me the roadmap to know who me is. Yeah. And who, because I was so, I mean, the flip of my chart, the shadow side of my chart is a time, is a time bender or a manifesting generator. I spent most of my life as a manifesting generator. I still to this day find myself once in a while because my sacral gets defined by transits quite a bit or by other people. And I'll be like, Ellen, Manifesting generator again. Stop it. Quit multitasking. But slow down, you know. Um, but totally uh, me as a kid, I and I went, I just shut down. I I was very much a freeze kid because it was dangerous not to be. And so that's how I adapted. Um, 
you know, I, I, for, for so many years, I tried to get attention and really, you know, was annoying, maybe like you said. And then eventually I got to the point like, okay, that didn't work. Now you're really, you know, now you really need to just, just chill, just fit in, just, you know, I mean, I just felt like I put on this, this manifesting generator suit, which it was all the weight. I mean, I was 300 pounds by the time I was probably a senior in high school. And I just, you know, it was all the conditioning. I just kept taking on and taking on and taking on. Um, but the story's completely different now, right? Supposed to decondition. I know how to decondition and I know what's mine and what's not. So let's talk about that. Cause I mean, I think some people think that, and some people kind of paint this picture that like you get to a point where you never get conditioned anymore or you never act in ways that are not your own energy. And I, I'm, Maybe, maybe there is somebody. Maybe but you have nine defined centers. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, right. Okay. <laughs> still affected by splits and stuff like that. Yeah. But so actually, something I think nine defined centers is a really hard energy. Well, mm-hmm. that's a whole other conversation. Maybe that's if anybody on listening has nine defined centers and would be interested in come talk, telling their story, I'd be very interested in um, talking about that sort of thing because that's a whole different kind of deconditioning. Um, but what I was going to say is I think the biggest shift for me came when I stopped beating myself up or judging myself for not doing it right. Because when I found out I was a projector, wait for the invitation, I'm supposed to wait, ride my emotional wave, wait till I clear. I got so caught up in this doing it the right way. That then when I would be like, oh, yeah, you just initiated there. Or, oh, yeah, you doing. And when I stopped judging it and instead just observed it, which is still hard. Like, I have to shut that bitch down when she starts to say, why'd you do that? <laughs> I have to be like, isn't that my favorite f- catchphrase is, isn't that interesting? <laughs> just came in here. I remember coming to a drum circle event and I walked into that room after having been alone in my house with just my husband um, for several days. I hadn't left the house. And I went in there and I got, you know, I'm in in aura and I just started to everybody and I started telling everybody what they should be doing in some nice little helpful way, you know, like stupid stuff. And then all of a sudden I just went, isn't that interesting? You have just been acting like a manifester or a manifesting generator. You're totally initiating like a manifester, but with all this of a manifesting generator. And so instead I just observed it and went, oh, well, let's let's get back in our own energy now. And I just you know, sat there. And then that was the day that afterwards the woman came up to me and talked to me and I wound up teaching classes at this center and all this stuff because I got myself back in my energy because all I did was say, Ooh, look at how these people affected you. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So what is your tool now you do? Like if you start to feel that bitterness coming in, what is your, um, well, bitterness sometimes for me is I'm tired yeah. and I, ha- I haven't had enough rest. I've had to distinguish between, because I have the 40, which is all about rest and restoration, right? 
yeah. but feel feel lonely. And so I've had to distinguish wanting connection or am I just lonely because I'm tired and I need, you know, yeah, like, yeah. Um, what was your question again? <laughs> What's your tool for the bitterness? But I just wanted to clarify because I, you said you have the 40 and then I said, I have that too. But some of the people on here are new. And so I want to make sure I clarify how we loosely use our language sometime. We all have all of the charts. So when we say we have it, we mean we have it defined in a specific way that we experience on a regular basis. But we all have all the openness available to us in just all sorts of different ways. So I just wanted to clarify that. But yeah. when you're feeling bitterness, do you have a strategy of what you do? Or is it just kind of a depending on the... I have, I I can kind of, because I wake up, a lot of times I'll wake up with stuff like that because I'm so open. So I'll wake up um, and I, after taking the dog out, I immediately journal. And so I start to really just write down how am I feeling? And then after that, I, I will either tap on it and re- get the emotions moving. I will, um, I might go into meditation on it to really kind of connect with my heart and what is true for me. Um, and then I've been doing these series of kind of deconditioning exercises where you really focus on your breath and you're really trying to move through the energy. And so for me, when it shows up, a lot of times it's conditioning mm-hmm. any, anymore because of so much of, of the amount of work that I've done. It's really, and I guess it's kind of always was conditioning where I was just kind of, you know, unraveling what was me underneath all of it. Yeah. I, um, but for the most part, I can kind of, of, I can kind of get through it or, I mean, I did this on Monday cause I had something happen on Sunday. I just reached out to a couple friends and said, Hey, can, can you get on a call? I need to talk this out. Yeah, that's a good point, because I don't think a lot of people talk about that enough, that projectors, um, I know people will talk about how we like to talk, but it's really important for any projector to kind of soundboard a little bit, even if they have, especially um, because the only projectors that have an in-the-moment decision maker is a splenic projector, and even that is only a no you know, spleen, the spleen only says no. So sometimes when there's a lot of variability to a decision, a splenic projector even will need to kind of talk about it because as they say things and feel it, they can feel their spleen saying, no, that's not right. No, that's not right to these different things. Or we can just kind of feel into our truth. Um, in fact, I, I'm curious what your experience was with tapping because I um, know when I was doing learning tapping, my partner would get, she was a, she's a generator and the person I was teamed up with to learn, she would get frustrated with me because you're supposed to constantly, you know, use the other person's um, words when you, when you tap back. So I would say something and she, you know, she would say, well, how are you feeling about this? And I would say something and then she would go back with my words. And as she would have me tap on it, I'd be like, no, that's not right. And she's like, that's, and she would be like, that's what you said. And I'm like, yeah, you know, so I had to, we had to have a whole conversation of like, sometimes I realize that I'm full of shit. Yeah. (laughs) And then that was where my mind was saying, you know, yeah. when I'm tapping myself, it's different. But when I've been tapping with my coach, she, she knows that I can automatically, and I know I can automatically just change the wording. Yeah. 
So she I might say to do, and I just changed the wording yeah, uh, to what's more true for me. And she just goes with the flow with that. Yeah. Uh, because it does change. And, and the talking out loud, like with this thing that happened to me on Monday, it was like, the more I talked about it, I was able to get out of the fear because I was in fear and emotions. Right. And, and it was clouding or it was impacting my way of seeing it in the way that's really true to my heart. And I couldn't get to my heart because I was in the wave. And so by yeah. talking it out, I just kept talking about it and they were recognizing and kind of affirming what I was doing. And, um, but it was me hearing me. And then I got to the point like, oh, that's how I want to see it. I talk about it and, and I, you know, and then eventually I go, okay, that's my belief about it. Everything I said before this was conditioning. <laughs> it was my fear and was what the emotions that came up. And then you get to a point where you're like, okay, that's what my heart really feels about it. But yeah. without being able to talk it out loud and process it, you, it's hard to get there. I can do it pretty well, like I said, with my process. But mm -hmm. there are times when something really triggers and I just have yeah. to reach out to my, you know, a few people who have said, hey, you need something, just reach out. And yeah. I'm grateful that I have that. Yeah. And that's important to have those open invitations from people who are willing to kind of listen to your stories, you know. Mm -hmm. So, well, we're getting close to the top of the hour. I do not see any um, questions or comments yet. So can people maybe just say hi? I mean, I, maybe, <laughs> I know people are actually there. It says people are there, but I'm just curious. Um, maybe they're just so mesmerized. Um, I don't want to get too deep in anything this late into the hour, but I did mean I did intend to talk a little bit more about emotional authority because you are the, the first person that I've talked with in this series that is emotional authority. Now your emotional wave is the 3740. And can you speak to that a little bit and what that's meant to you and your decision-making process? Well, that's kind of what happened to me this last yeah. week was I was in a ratchet wave. I mean, I was in a really intense tribal wave and not that there's anything wrong with feeling my way through that. Mm -hmm. And I needed, I mean, I spent 24 hours sobbing and crying, you know, just really feeling the emotions of it. Mm -hmm. um, and then, like I said, then when I, as it starts to clear for me, there is a clarity in my body. Like there's a feeling in my body, like, Oh, okay. That's, that's what's true to me. And you've talked about it earlier. Like there's this feeling all the way down deep into your soul. Mm -hmm. And so I've learned as I've, understood that my emotions and <clears throat> understood the wave, the hardest part for me is what to do while I'm waiting for clarity. Mm -hmm. Yes. Like, it's really you know, easy for me to get stuck in my mind and think I'm supposed to think my way out of it and start. And I'm wondering if that's true for you. Do you find that you have been kind of conditioned to think that, well, you need to think your way into a logical place out of your emotions and really what you need to do is what you said, sob and cry and maybe tap and take a hot bath and whatever. Talk about it and, and yeah. wait for the clarity to come. I mean, even the title of this, this that my way of doing the system, I was in my mind, I'm like moving post-its around, you know, and I'm like in my mind and I'm in my, I'm like, oh, I was frustrated. 
And then I went into meditation and boom, right there. It was like, okay, you've realized you can't have the answer the way your mind wants to have the answer. So I just surrendered and said, okay, I'm going into meditation. What is the name of it? (laughs) And it came up immediately. Hmm. But I had to get out of my mind and surrender to it. But but that's the hardest part for me is when I'm really feeling a very strong emotional wave is, is what do I do in the meantime? Um, and it's really feeling those, allowing myself to feel the emotions so they move through faster. That's awesome. So um, I'm going to wrap this up. I've really enjoyed our conversation. I feel like there are many th- closing questions I could ask you and I can't decide on one. So I'm going to just leave it with what would you in closing like to tell either parents or educators or just new projectors or anybody, whatever your last final like thoughts of empowering, empowering thoughts for this. Um, what I would say is from my experience that I've learned is we can make human design really complicated and our mind can run with it for a long time. And my passion with putting out this more simplistic system is to allow people to just like um, put their toe in the water, right? Just so for people who are already awakened to human design and quantum human design, to me, this is something that you have those people in your life that you're like, I wish they would get this. This, like you said, your husband, right? He might under he might resonate with this. Is that my hope is that this is kind of something that people who already get it can use a more simplistic way of introducing it to other people. And that's my hope is that this this is that's uh, great. Yeah. And that this is a way to to teach kids too, you know, I, yeah. right. I know there's right. a lot of adults, yeah. Sorry, I didn't mean to step on no, the other because I know there's a lot of I know you're good. You're good on your time. So, right. I'm trying to respect people's time or at yeah. least, you know, so we're staying within an hour of, um, so it's the story hour, but anyway, it was great talking to you. I hope people enjoyed listening to us chat and, um, we have no comments, but feel free to add them as you watch the replays or whatever, maybe everybody's still making their breakfast or doing whatever they're doing while they listen. So um, thank you so much. And we'll post some stuff in the comments here with your contact stuff for Ellen. So, okay. And yeah, let's see. Thank you so much. I don't, I will, here we go. Bye. <laughs>